Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. Well, except this politician, because I uh, like him. So do most Canadians, the most popular politician, the most popular premier. Brad Wall of Saskatchewan uh, talked to the premier two days ago about Quebec wanting into the Constitution. I talked to him about the uh, United States getting out of the climate accord. And I talked to him about Justin Trudeau and the carbon tax. Just listen. Premier, let me ask you, first of all, what's your view of the president of the United States pulling the U.S. out of the U.N. climate accord? Well, whether one supports or, uh, the move or opposes the move, uh, assuming they're uh, American citizens and voting in, that, in their uh, elections, here, the bottom line for Canada is that they're our number one trading partner, but they're also our number one competitor. And, and, and by the way, in terms of that competitiveness question, um, I'm not sure the U.S. being in or out of uh, the Paris Accord uh, is the sort of the number one concern for us as Canadians who have to compete with Americans for investment, job-creating investment. And what I mean by that is in April I was in Washington on a trade mission and we met with a, a number of members of the cabinet and cabinet-level pos, uh, positions, uh, including Secretary Ross, including the Secretary of Energy, the new head of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. The bottom line is this, in or out of Paris, there will be no carbon tax uh, in the United States. Moreover, they're backing off on the methane regulations that Canada and the United States have agreed to, which haven't got the attention of carbon taxes, but I can tell you uh, are just as concerning uh, in terms of Canada's energy sector and our ability to compete for investment with the U.S. So I, I'm, the, the concern I had uh, pre uh, the president's announcement on Paris remains and that is that our federal government seems to not be seems to not be very attentive to the fact that we are creating a massive uh, competitive advantage potentially by by our inaction or our willingness to stick with carbon tax and stick with regulations a, a disadvantage for our sector vis-a-vis the u.s consider this roy All, a number of canadian companies or at least companies that were invested in our energy sector that frankly the large big oil let's call them that supported the carbon tax announcement in our neighboring province of alberta and the national federally imposed carbon tax uh consider what what a lot of them have done since they've left (laughs) they have basically uh exited the canadian sector for the permian uh or for other plays around the world where there is less quote-unquote policy risk Amazingly, this country, because of regulation, the latest, by the way, just here yesterday uh, or earlier this week, was Apache. And they specifically cited uh, the increasing difficulty to operate in Canada, and I'm paraphrasing, but due to regulations and tax policy, government policy. So we have created policy risk, quote-unquote, 
for these companies, and even the ones that were asking for a carbon tax, and this kind of is frustrating, I'll tell you what, are, are leaving for the Permian, for Texas and for Oklahoma, for the shale plate, where, by the way, there will never be uh, a carbon tax, whether they're in or out of the Paris Accord. And yet the federal government, Mr. Trudeau, uh, continues to make the case that the carbon tax is a financial and economic boon for Canada. You know, I, I, it's uh, it's sloganeering, and I, I don't want to be I don't want to be gratuitously uh, uh, critical of uh, of how the federal government describes their carbon tax. But I mean, I, it's one thing to say these things to uh, that are sort of I, I would say talking points or slogans. It's another thing to point to where there might be any justification for them, where there might be some evidence that this will be the boon it's supposed to be. Consider, Roy, that this country of ours is home to the third greatest oil reserves on the planet, that we are a very large northern climate, uh, inter- uh, large geographical country, uh, and we have a northern climate. Uh, the industries that we have here in significant measure that have helped pave the way for a great quality of life are trade-exposed industries, and that means that they're far from their markets, and there's and there's a cost to get those industries developed. Uh, if they're the extractive industries, or or even major some of the major manufacturing, there uh, there's a certain amount of carbon intensity that comes with where we live and what we have and what we do well. How in the world can that country, trade exposed as it is in our major sectors, how in the world can you describe a tax that will disproportionately hit those very sectors because they they rely on hydrocarbons or they're trade exposed. How can you describe that as some sort of economic boon? I mean, I just, the, the evidence doesn't back it up. Moreover, we know in our country we have a longstanding example since 2008 of a carbon tax in place at a, at a level that's, uh, that's higher than the initial level of the federal, of the Trudeau imposed carbon tax. And we know this empirically that emissions have gone up in that problem. They've increased in British Columbia. So not only are we risking our economy and putting ourselves to competitive disadvantage vis-a-vis the U.S., but we're, all, we're doing it in the name of a policy, in the pursuit of a policy that hasn't been, that's been demonstrably ineffective in reducing emissions. Our position is we should be focusing on technology. Um, the, the developing world is building coal. The U.S. is moving towards coal. Japan has moved back to coal. So we have leadership in our province to clean it up. At Boundary Dam 3, CCS uh, is the technology that's working here. Uh, we burn coal cleaner than natural gas as a result. It's the first-generation technology, so it's not the, uh, the most inexpensive technology. But the point is, let's invest in the next generations of it and actually do something that will reduce emissions uh, rather than a tax that might make ourselves feel good about our 2% of world emissions, but risk the economy and actually not reduce the emissions that we want to in the first place. Premier, you mentioned British Columbia. There's a new government about to uh, unveil itself, the combination of the New Democrats and the Greens, and uh, this places perhaps the issue of pipelines in some doubt, which will bring Mr. Trudeau back into play to a certain extent. Of course, the uh, federal government moving some of the departments of the National Energy Board from Calgary to, uh, to Ottawa. What do you make of the change of government in British Columbia, and how will that affect the energy um, reality in this country? You know, Roy, I've said that as a government, we're going to look at uh, other uh, outside extra Saskatchewan, extra provincial developments through the lens of what's good for the province and give credit where it's due. And so let me just say that 
the prime minister's response to the election of the the potential election and we, and i think there's there's uh, some questions still to be answered but the potential new government uh the, the coalition de facto coalition of the greens and the ndp the prime minister has been um uh, stalwart and uh, i i would say very strong in defense of the federal approval of the federal jurisdiction to approve kinder morgan so i want to give him full credit for that and i can thank him publicly on your show that's the right position to take having said that there's all manner of sand that can be thrown into the gears by a provincial government on a project like this whether it's permitting or perhaps through bc hydro which is a crown in that province so i'm very worried because of course there's not saskatchewan oil to be in that pipeline but anytime we get canadian oil to the to tidewater it means we're reducing the discount uh, at which canadians have been selling their oil principally and exclusively in North America, where we get the West Texas price instead of the much higher, sorry, not much higher now, but uh, always a little bit higher and sometimes a lot higher world Brent price for crude. Moreover, here in, in, in my province in Regina, there's about 900 steelworkers jobs at Everaz at a plant that will supply the pipeline for that project when it gets going. And so we're watching it very carefully. Uh, and concerned about the election of this government who said they've now, they're going to try uh, to kill it. Part one of my interview with Premier Brad Wall of Saskatchewan. Part two after this. Direct, hard-hitting, no-holds-barred. The Rory Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Here's part two of my interview with uh, Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall. We continue with the carbon tax and then Quebec. Always Quebec. Premier, can we go back to the carbon tax for a moment? Um, What is Saskatchewan's long-term plan or longer-term plan? There has been a great deal of talk about, and you've mentioned it, uh, a court case. Um, I spoke a few weeks ago with an Australian member of parliament who echoed exactly what your concerns are, and then underscored that with once we realized what the concerns were, and once we realized how negatively the carbon tax was affecting the Australian economy, Australian families, Australian businesses, we did away with it in 2014. Uh, what is the, uh, maybe the medium to longer term objective, or the, uh, what is the what's the path Saskatchewan is choosing? Well, as you know, we... Uh we uh, have uh, released a white paper on the environment and on climate change specifically, and therein you'll see uh, very specific goals around moving to 50% renewables at Sask Power, uh, and we're underway uh, with that effort right now. Uh, we want to continue to lead in technology that actually does something about the CO2, and rather than taxing it or shifting it or tapping it and trading it, they can actually take it out of uh, the picture completely and uh, and, uh, and and keep trans- keep coal, for example, as possible as one of the transition fuels as the world wants to cleaner and cleaner energies all the time. So <clears throat> we've never uh, we've never said that our province was not interested in the uh, in the effort. In fact, on a per capita basis, through through CCS, we've invested more than any jurisdiction in the country. But with re- we don't think the carbon tax is effective for the reasons I've already mentioned, uh, and so we're going to be challenging the federal government in court. Um, it's a little clearer now as to the case they're going to make. Not perhaps uh, we don't have the specificity of the federal proposal to, uh, to to really be able to react through our Ministry of Justice. But we're going to be ready to do that when when more specifics are available. And we've already been working in terms of preparatory work for the for the case, and uh, we're going to see them in court. 
Mr. Wall, uh, the Prime Minister has expressed his regret. I'll bring this back to the issue of the uh, UN Climate Accord. He's expressed, Trudeau has expressed his regret that the United States is uh, pulling its uh, support for the UN Climate Accord. But he's nevertheless, the Prime Minister's already committed $2.6 billion, taxpayer dollars, to that fund. Uh, Do you have concerns about Canada's continuing involvement with the fund, more money being directed toward it, particularly with our southern neighbor uh, getting out of it and not having a carbon tax? Roy, we've actually, in our white paper, we've called on the federal government to invest that $2.6 billion in Canada on technologies that will actually help developing countries. And so, you know, uh, full disclosure, obviously, we would like the federal government to use some of that $2.6 billion dollars to join us and companies like BHP Billiton at the CCS Knowledge Center in Regina uh, and at uh, in, in, in Wisconsin Power in developing the next generation of, tech, of clean coal technologies. We've demonstrated that it burns cleaner than natural gas. We've demonstrated it's a viable option if we can get the cost down. And we know that coal is being built in India and coal generation is being built in China and the other countries that are in the developing world I've already mentioned. So why wouldn't we, if we have $2.6 billion for, to fight climate change, why would we invest it right here in Canada uh, with, uh, in technologies that we are demonstrating already, that we are proving already, to get it to the next generation so that it's cost-effective uh, and, uh, and will actually reduce emissions around the world in those developing countries? That's our position on the 2.6. One more question for you. Um, the Premier of Quebec, Monsieur Couillard, wants a national discussion on Quebec signing on to the Constitution but he wants Quebec nationhood enshrined as well. Where do you stand on that? Uh, you know, the issue of, uh, of reopening the Constitution is an interesting one. And, you know, in Premier Cuillard, we have a Federalist. Uh, and I have enjoyed working with him at the Premier's table. Uh, he, has been, uh, he has worked hard, frankly, to ensure that we have, a, we have fewer barriers across our own country as we've, we've developed a new Canada trade agreement, the Interprovincial Trade Agreement. Uh, and Premier Cuillard showed real, uh, demonstrated leadership at that table. I, I have a lot of respect for uh, for the work he's done and for his position as a federalist in Quebec. Um, and I've said here publicly that if there's going to be some discussion of the Constitution, we need to put equalization and this arcane uh, and ineffective formula back on the table. Uh, we've had oil prices uh, off at around $50. We're in going into the third year of that. And the people of Saskatchewan are still paying a half a billion dollars into the federal program because of the formula. Meanwhile, provinces who have hydro resources, Manitoba, Quebec, others, uh, that hydro resource is not part of the calculation, even though we know it's very valuable in terms of exports and in terms of the energy profile of the country. So uh, there's much work to be done in terms of fairness in this country. And if there's going to be any constitutional discussion, Saskatchewan would want to see equalization as a big part of that. It needs to be overhauled. Uh, there is concern, and I've seen it from listeners' emails, particularly from the West, about the issue of Quebec nationhood. Yes, the transfer payments, of course, also being mentioned, but I'm also wondering whether this has the potential to create a, a, an alienation in uh, Western Canada, whether this these constitutional talks, we never know where they're going to wind up. We've seen that in the past, whether it has the potential to create more problems than it has to solve. I don't think that, you know, when the Harper government moved to recognize uh, uh, Quebec, I forget the wording of that, Roy, as a, you, you might remember, but when the Harper government moved on that issue of we weren't sort of uh, leading the, the, the cheering section for it, but neither were we that opposed to it. Um, and, uh, and I guess I can tell you that personally, this would be prior to my time in this job or even in provincial politics, I certainly had 
no issues with language in Meech Lake and language in Charlottetown. We might have saved ourselves a lot of headaches if, if as a country we could have done that. And I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but that's my, that's my opinion. More important than the words uh, or how we describe each other, the arrangements that we have. I think the un- if there's a sense of unfairness in Western Canada, it does revolve a lot around transfer payments. But it, it revolves also around how we're going to work as a country. I'd like to know that some other province, whether it's the provinces that that uh, that, that cover the Energy East pipeline going to Atlantic, the Atlantic coast, or BC, I'd like to know that they're prepared to understand the importance of a federation of landlocked provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan being able to get their products uh, to the world. That would be more important to me than the semantics. Perhaps I'll call them around, you know, how we what we call each other within the federation. I'd like to see an equalization formula that's fair. Western Canada than it has been. Uh, so those changes, that part of federalism is much more important to me. Premier, thank you so much for the time. All the best. So uh, we covered quite a bit of territory with the Premier of Saskatchewan, Brad Wall, really my favorite politician in this country, and uh, most Canadians. Uh, in polling nationally, when premiers are evaluated, it's always have Brad Wall at the top, reasonable man. Then we have our Prime Minister and Mr. Wall. They are in um, head-to-head disagreement on the issue of the carbon tax. And Saskatchewan will take the federal government to court. The Prime Minister, regardless of the fact that the United States federal government with President Trump have or will be pulling out of the Paris Accord, the Prime Minister of Canada says we will carry on with our carbon tax and we will partner with Europe, China, whoever. So, and then there's Quebec. Uh, I have to ask you this. Is Canada's future wobbly? Can we afford to declare Quebec's constitutionally enshrined nationhood? That's what the Premier of Quebec wants. He wants Canada, Quebec to be constitutionally enshrined uh, with nationhood. And I have this question. Will Alberta be economically strangled by its western neighbor, British Columbia? And in the east by its national prime minister, who already shouted the oil sands are being phased out. There's a lot going on. Are you a Canadian first, or an Albertan, or a Saskatchewanian, or a Manitoban, an Ontarian, a Quebecer first? There's all sorts of questions that I have, but we'll, we'll focus on this. Do you support President Trump pulling out of the UN Climate Accord... Would you support Quebec being granted nationhood in order to get Quebec to sign the Constitution? Are you happy giving the transfer payments to Quebec? Would would you be okay giving them a little more money? If they get a little more money, maybe they'll stay. Just a little more cash for Quebec. You're good with that, huh? Um, Do they deserve more transfer payments, Quebec? Just, you know. To put the X on the Constitution, 1-800-263-2428. And see, carbon tax, UN, and Quebec. You'll give them a little more money, wouldn't you? Just a little more. Just a little more. We'll come back.